Well, good morning, everybody. I hope you're well today. It's good to see everybody. And um, I hope you've been enjoying uh, your summer months. And uh, just, I mean, is there sneaky, sneaky, sneaky people? Just wanted to say a big congrats. When, when she comes back in. Yeah, here she comes. Here she comes. Come on, Lucci. Come on, Lucci. Aluchi, who not only just graduated with honors from her um, like law school program, but she just finished the bar. Everybody give it up for Aluchi. Yes, yes, yes. That's right. So uh, prayer into the justice system here in Chicago. Lord knows we need it, you know, with men and women of God. And um, secondly, um, just wanted to also say, make sure they're still um, out at the hospitality desk right now, but give some special love to uh, Corey and Britt because they are actually getting ready to move to Indianapolis, uh, Indiana. Uh, she got a job out there, is excited about that. Uh, Corey works in trucking, so he can work from anywhere. He's like, baby, where you get a job, we're going. And so they're going to come and show them, come on now, show them some love. This is their last Sunday here. But what's exciting is, is that we're part of a church planting network. And so now not only were we a church plant here in the city of Chicago, uh, but we actually have a friend that we used to be on staff with that's actually just started a church in Indianapolis. And so they're going to be able to go there and help serve and be a part of that. Isn't that exciting? (laughs) So that's for you. (laughs) All right. So with that in mind, um, guys, I wanted to um, just say that this has been a uh, great summer, but what I've um, been excited about is this series that we're doing. Um, because of the fact that what we're doing is getting into the names of God and how God has chosen to reveal himself over the course of history to his people through biblical context in interaction with his people. We started off the series understanding and knowing that the name above every name and the most important name is the name of Jesus Christ himself, that Jesus is the one who came to save our lives. Jesus is the one who came to substitute himself in place of our sin, um, in sin our sin on the cross. Jesus is the one who was resurrected from the dead so that we could have new life and eternal life to boot in him. Um, but what we understand too is that over the course of time, this same God, this same God who Jesus is the son of is actually represented throughout scripture by his qualities and his character. He revealed himself much as a father would to his own children, to the people of God throughout history by interactions that he chose to give the people of God to show who he was and how we're to, number one, relate to him, and then in the midst of life circumstances, how we're to respond to him, that we're not to be people who are thrown here and there every way and which way by life circumstances, but because of his unchanging nature and his unchanging character, we're to respond to him as he is, as he's represented himself in his qualities and his character. So um, last week we uh, jumped into some of those names, just um, breaking it out in terms of the Hebrew context. When God started to create the world, he actually showed himself to be Elohim, which was the creator God, the one who actually was full of strength and might, and out of nothing, ex nihilo, created all that we see around us today. Um, we also saw that he was described as Yahweh, which was the self-existent or the eternal one, the uncreated one, the one who actually was always there and always will be, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, as Jesus is described later in Revelation. This was God Almighty who like showed himself. But he also described himself not as just Yahweh and Jehovah, which is another derivative of the name Yahweh, 
Yahweh, but he also described himself as El Shaddai. El Shaddai, which is the one who is the nourishing one, the one who provides satisfaction and provision for our lives. And so today we're going to get into two other of those names, still looking at the man Abraham, who God started to reveal himself to, and then jumping forward again to Jesus and seeing how Jesus himself was a fulfillment of all of these names of God, so that when you're interacting with God on a daily basis through Jesus Christ, you can relate to him based on these qualities that he's revealed about himself. And so let's pray and we'll get into it. Father, we thank you so much for your word again to us today. We thank you, God, that you've given us your word that we might know you better. Lord Jesus, we remember again that you said, now this is eternal life, that we might know the one and only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. God, we're asking you that today, through your word, you would open our eyes and you would, more importantly, open our hearts. That as we relate to you, we might not just have a head knowledge, but we might relate to you as you are, in spirit and in truth, as a good father. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so what we're going to do today is we're going to study um, two of his names, two which you might have heard before and might be familiar with. Um, but one is Adonai. How many people have heard the name Adonai before? Okay, Adonai. And then another one of uh, the names that he's chosen to associate with himself, which is Jehovah Jireh. Okay, Jehovah Jireh. How many people have heard of Jehovah Jireh before? Okay, Jehovah Jireh, they sing songs about it, right? I remember um, my, my pastor um, growing up was Jewish himself. He was a, what was called a Messianic Jew, meaning that he uh, actually... Uh, culturally and um, by lineage was Jewish, um, but he was one who had put his trust in Jesus as the promised Messiah who was going to come for the salvation of the Jewish people and the entire world. And so we would always sing um, songs that had a Jewish tone to them, and one of them was Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace is sufficient. Anyone ever heard this song before? Okay, yeah, yeah, his grace is sufficient for me. Anyway, and then we dance with the tambourines and all that stuff around. And so you need to, I know it's hot in here, but you need to get loose. So anyway, <laughs> the thing is, it's good. So we're going to study that um, today, and then maybe dance. I'm just kidding. Okay, so here we go. Adonai, first of all. This this guy, Abraham, started off with the name Abram, and he had an identity in God that was God saying, listen, I'm bringing you out of a pagan nation. I'm bringing you to the land of promise, which is modern-day Israel, and you're going to take possession of this land, and I'm going to give you not only the land, but I'm going to give you a lineage, an inheritance, even though at the age of 75, when I'm making the promise to you, you and your wife remain childless. So Genesis 15, if you have a Bible today, let's read. It says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. So at this point, Abram had already started on his trek from Ur of the Chaldeans, which was a pagan community worshiping the moon and moon gods and all types of false deities. And God, the only true God, had called him out and said, go to this place that I'm going to show you. And there I'm going to make your name great and I'm going to make you into a great nation. But after traveling a bit, he needed some encouragement. So God's appearing to him and says these things. But Abram said, O Lord God, O Lord God. And if we were to look in the Hebrew text here again, it's the introduction of the word Adonai, okay? The name Adonai, O Lord God. Whenever you're looking in your Bibles, again, we're trying to give you the greater context that when you're reading your English Bible, 
Um, again, a lot of times when you're reading the word God in it, it's that word El or Elohim. Whenever you see it translated with all capital Lord, it's Yahweh or Jehovah, the personal name of God to his people Israel. But then here with the capital L, has anyone ever paid attention to these things before and like had a question mark about them? When you have a capital L, but then lowercase O-R-D, that's a different name, okay? They're translating a different name. So the ca- all caps Lord was Yahweh, Jehovah. And now he's calling him Lord with a capital L, lowercase O-R-D, and this is Adonai. Adonai. He's saying, oh, Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus, who Eliezer, if you study the story of Abraham, was one of his servants, one of his servants. And Abram said, behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my own household, meaning this Eliezer, his servant, will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, this man, meaning Eliezer, shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, once again Adonai, and he counted it to him as righteousness. So all of a sudden you see that in the midst of the trek that Abram is making with God, God gives him this astounding promise. Not only is he 75 years old, his wife is nine years younger, she's barren up to that point, but he says, I'm going to give you a land, and not just any land, as if it was a barren land. This wasn't the wild, wild west, you know what I mean? It was like a land full of people who were ready to dispossess Abraham and his descendants if they tried to come in and lay claim to it. And what he said is, I'm going to give you this land that's already being possessed right now, and not only that, but I'm going to give you children from your wife's own body. Now, that was going to take a miracle, and when God makes a promise, he has that in mind. He's saying, whatever promise I'm making you, whatever thing I'm calling you to, I know that it's going to take my hand to fulfill it. How many people before have ever gotten a word from God, and you were like, no way, no how, not through me? Anybody at all, okay? It's sort of like you're like, I, I, I can think about a, a plenty of other great people who could do great things, but I know me. And if I don't know myself well, my wife knows me, right? And it's sort of like I can discount myself readily. But God, when he makes these promises, he's saying it's only going to happen by my hand. And so whenever Abram is on this track and he's already believed God saying, okay, I'm going to go to this place I'm unfamiliar with. I'm going to go to this land that I don't know how I'm going to take possession of it. I'm going to trust you, God. You know that over the course of time, in between A and Z, you're going to need some encouragement. And so the good news is, is that the God of heaven is continually making appearances to his people throughout scripture. And here's the good news to you today. God Almighty will actually show himself to you. And that's the point of ongoing daily prayer, not just having his word as a foundation, giving you an example of things to come, but also prayer it helps you to interact with the God who is alive today and who will speak to you. And just like Abram, who needed encouragement once he started on the trek, not just a word to get going, but he needed encouragement once he was already on the way. 
you're going to need that same encouragement as well. And this God of heaven says, I'm coming to you and I'm reiterating the promises that I have for you, even in the midst of circumstances that might look dire, that might not look like anything's changed. And that's the hard part, and that's when we need encouragement, is it not? When we've tried to obey God to step out in his purposes, but it doesn't look like anything around us has changed. Have you ever done anything like that before? Maybe God says, saying, I'm bringing you to repentance in your relationship with your spouse or your children. I'm bringing you into a new place in terms of your purity, whether it be sexual purity or other um, types of purity or how you manage your household and finances. And it doesn't seem that immediately anything has changed. And it's like God says, let me tell you something. I'm going to be with you to come and express myself in the midst of your obedience so that you know that I'm Adonai, the Lord. The Lord God who's Lord over all heaven, all earth, not just of those who obey me, but even of the earth that doesn't. Because one day, every one of my creation will stand before me. And they'll have to give an account for the way that they've lived. And this is what's expressed through Adonai. Now, I wanted to uh, just take a brief pause. And actually, in the midst of our present circumstances, and what I mean by present circumstances is is Chicago, living in Chicago, I wanted to share with you a word that Peter Alleen, some of you know Peter Alleen. He's a guest speaker who comes from time to time. He's a man from outside of the city who often prays, prays for, intercedes for, helps support everything that God's doing here. He actually uh, heard all about what's happening in Illinois. Has anybody noticed that in the midst of your promotions, in the midst of your pay raises, that your check actually went down? (laughs) Anybody notice that? Because our taxes went up about 32 to 35% while you might have gotten a 3% increase. Peter sent a word to encourage you about Adonai. Let's pray this video, please. If it's not playing right now, let me tell you, it's a good word. It's a strong word. And it's a word that has to do with this. Second City Church family in the great city of Chicago. Tracy and I are really looking forward to coming out and seeing you guys uh, in the fall. I wanted to let you know that I've been following over the past few weeks uh, some of the news items that have come out of Illinois, in particular the challenges that are associated with living with increased taxes and the uh, bite that that provides to families like yourselves as you're uh, living there in the great city of Chicago. And uh, as this news came to me, I was almost immediately brought to Genesis chapter 26. I would encourage you to read Genesis 26. It's really an amazing story. There's a time of great economic challenge that came in the agrarian society in the form of a significant famine. And so Isaac actually picks up and goes, moves to the land of the Philistines. And what happens is the Lord appears to him and says, dwell in this land and I will be with you and I will bless you. That's Genesis 26, 3. And Isaac does the most amazing thing. Even though it's a time of famine, scripture says that Isaac did exactly what God called him to do. He sowed in that land, Genesis 26, 12, 
and in the same year he reaped 100-fold. So this is really an incredible miracle that happens. Everyone else is looking and saying there's a famine, but because Isaac has this word from the Lord that God's going to bless him and that he should dwell in that land and seek to cultivate it, he sows and he reaps a hundredfold as a consequence. And so as I was thinking about all of you and the challenges that come with just the higher cost of living in a large city and especially the, the new income taxes, I wanted to remind you of this verse that I feel like the Holy Spirit laid on my heart for you. And so I would encourage you, read Genesis chapter 26 and see this incredible story of how Isaac, he was in a land that was different for him. It was uh, completely foreign, the land of the Philistines, but he received the word from the Lord to dwell there and to receive God's blessing in verse three. And so what did he do? He sowed in that land and he reaped a hundredfold the same year. So it's very remarkable that even in a time of famine, even when there's significant economic duress, when God's people listen to his word, when they obey him, when they live where he calls them to live, and when they trust in him with all their hearts, that God will provide. And so, Father in heaven, I thank you for my great brothers and sisters in the city of Chicago that you will abundantly provide for and supply all of their needs. God, thank you for just in the same way that you spoke to Isaac and you said, you live here and you cultivate this place and I'm going to bless you. And then he sowed, even in a time of famine, and reaped a hundredfold. Father, thank you for that being the testimony of your great church there in Chicago. I pray in Jesus' name for miracle after miracle, financial provision after financial provision, God, that you would provide and abundantly supply promotions, increase, property, inheritances, bonuses, raises, everything that's needed, Lord God, because this provision comes from you. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we love you guys. God bless you. Again, Tracy and I are ex extremely excited to come out there and see you this fall. Goodbye. Good word, huh? That's a good word. That's a timely word. Let me tell you something. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides, he had no idea we were preaching this today, but it actually works right in line with the Lord, Adonai, who commands us to go to a place to do a thing, and the only reason that we're going to stay there is because he commanded it. That's the truth of the matter. I met a guy walking my dog the other day, and he was actually from Florida. And he was like, I'm one of the only people in this city that I think, that, besides Sarah, that actually moved from Florida to Chicago and the weather that like, I have to deal with here, right? He's like, but I'm feeling like God is raising up a people who by the command of Adonai, which means the Lord, which means that in Abraham's culture, it was a culture that was familiar with slavery, not American slavery as we know it, but more of a slavery that, Elo that he was talking about when he was talking about his servant, Eliezer. His servant Eliezer was basically his servant in the house that if he remained childless for all this time <coughs> and Abraham died, he would pass all of his property, all of his wealth, all of his finances on to a servant. What that meant was that the servants were actually part of the family back in the day. Even though they served and even though the owner of the servant would actually rightfully own them holistically, be able to determine what they did with their time, their resources, their energy, he all, they also knew that they were going to be provided for by the Lord or the master of the house. 
And so whenever Abraham is basically looking to God and saying, you've given me a promise and you've told me to go to a land where it seems that I'm not receiving this promise yet, I'm going to have to do it simply because I'm relating to you as Adonai, as the Lord. And if you are the Lord, I understand that just as if I would die and pass on my inheritance to my servant Eliezer, that you're going to provide for me in the midst of the land that I obey you, in the place that I obey you. And that's good news because that means it gives you the strength of heart and the strength of conviction in whatever God says to do to take a stand. Because eventually when you're obeying God, you're going to have to serve him, not just as your savior, but as your Lord. You're going to have to serve him as your Lord and say, I'm doing this because why? God said so. I choose to treat my children or my wife in the way that I do. Why? Not always because I feel like it, but because God said so. He's Lord and he's in charge. And even when Jesus was related to initially on the day of Pentecost, Peter was preaching the inaugural sermon and he was talking to the Israelites who were familiar with this term Adonai, the Lord. And he said, listen, let all Israel, the people of God, be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, who you crucified, two things, both Lord and Christ. Christ meaning the anointed one or the Savior, but also Lord. Jesus is referred to as Lord in the scripture over 647 times. And what's happening is that that's his main designation because this term Adonai was understood by the people of God to be the one who was in charge. That means that as opposed to current American or Western spirituality that picks and chooses what they like to obey and what they don't, what they like about God and what they like to discard, what God requires is that we relate to him as Adonai. God requires that in his holiness and his righteousness, we relate to him as master and Lord. And the reason that Abram was able to stay in the land in the midst of trial and discouragement is because he referenced him as Lord. The reason he also knew that in the midst of his discouragement, God would ultimately provide was because Adonai took care of his servants. The Lord, who actually had servants in his household, would take care of those who chose to obey him. And that's what we see continually. The safest place to be is in the will of God for your life. The safest place to be. It does not matter what it costs you. It does not matter what it requires of you in terms of energy or emotional strength. It does not matter what it costs you in terms of your ambitions or dreams. The Bible says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it entered into the mind of men what God, the Lord, Adonai, has planned for those who put their trust in him. Because it's always better than what we can put together ourselves. But it's only as you choose to relate to him as Adonai as Abram did, and not as a God that you choose to go to as if he's the Lord of a buffet line, picking and choosing what you like. I'll take this, how he says, I I like that he's love, but I don't like the fact that he's justice. I like the fact that, you know, he might be forgiving, but I don't like the fact that he's holy. The Bible says that without holiness, no one will see him. 
I, I, I don't like that. I want to discard that. But Lord means you accept it all. And when you accept it all, he provides for you as Adonai, the Lord of not only his household, but all the earth. This is what Abram came to understand. It was the same way that Isaiah the prophet um, related to God whenever he saw the great vision of God. People remember in Isaiah 6 that in the year that King Uzziah died, it said that he was king and um, that he went away, um, went the way of all the earth. But then Isaiah the prophet saw a vision of the Lord, Adonai. And he wasn't just Lord of Israel, but he was Lord over all the earth. And the train of his robe filled the temple. And it was like in the midst of the, the greatness of Adonai, the Lord, the master of all the earth, he was humbled. He thought that, wait, up to this point, I'm a pretty righteous guy. I'm a pretty holy dude. But then I see the Lord, the one who's in charge of it all, and I'm humbled. And I, I begin to see that, my goodness, compared to his holiness, I, I feel unclean and dirty. I feel unclean and dirty. And he, he began to confess. He said, listen, Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst a people of unclean lips, right? Can you imagine that? It's sort of like you think a lot of times about holiness, and you think, well, I don't sleep around. I don't, I don't cheat on my taxes. I don't do all these things. But then he, he sees the Lord, Adonai, and then all of a sudden it becomes about what's coming off of his mouth coming off of his mouth, and Adonai says, all right, let me take this coal from the altar and clean your lips so that you can actually not only be clean before me by my provision, but then I can send you as my servant. That's what it becomes, that exchange. He says, I see you, Lord, as Adonai, Lord over not just my life, not just Lord over your people, Israel, but over all the earth. And then God in his counsel begins to discuss things and says, I see the state of the world, and therefore, whom shall I send and who will go for me? And in response, he says, Adonai, me, when I see you as Lord over all the earth, I'm willing to sign up as your servant and be an answer to the reconciliation that you want to bring to the world. But I'm only going to even have courage to do that when I see that you're in charge of it all. That you're not just in charge of my life, but you're ruler over it all. And I find safety in the midst of persecution even in Adonai's care. But it wasn't just him understanding that he was going to be Adonai, the Lord of all. We see that as Abraham continued on his journey, God made that promise to him. He says, don't get discouraged. I'm giving you encouragement. Between A and Z, the encouragement that you need to keep true to my word. Serve me as Lord. Obey me. Go to the land. Even though it's tough, go to the land that I have for you. And you're going to take possession of that land. I didn't say go across the seas. I didn't say to go where it's easier. I said go in the land I'm showing you. And as you obey me, I'm going to bless you. And there in that land, it says that in between this year, um, the age of 75 and the year of 99, 24 years pass. And he does not have a child yet, but in the 100th year, in Abraham's 100th year, he has his son Isaac that Peter was referring to. 100 years old. And then finally, after 25 years, he's like, yes, Adonai has shown himself to be true. Adonai has shown himself to be strong. And here's one of the things that we need to get in our heart of hearts as a, the people of God in our generation. Everything is so quick nowadays, right? So quick. How many people are Amazon Prime members? Okay, that's right. Okay, the majority, right? Why? Because when we want it, we want it now, right? 
How many people want to be one of the host, those host cities that begin to get your orders the same day? Okay, we're looking forward to that, right? Amazon just bought Whole Foods, and it's like, I don't even want to go down the street anymore. I want it delivered to me, right? That's the truth, right? But we see when we look in biblical terms that it takes time for God to fulfill his promises. It takes time, you serving him as Lord over a period of time for him to bring about his promises in your life. But then when he does, he begins to show himself not just as Lord, but as Jehovah Jireh, the one who not only commands, but makes provision for you in the midst of your obedience to him. Let's look at Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22, it says, after these things, meaning God continuing to lead Abraham and Sarah. They had the child, Isaac, and finally the promise is there. It says, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, And go to the land of Moriah. And in the Hebrew, that's important because the ending word of Moriah actually was similar to the um, intonation of the uh, word Yahweh, Jehovah. So it's like the mountain of the Lord who's going to provide. Go to the mountain of the Lord who's going to provide. Moriah is important. Later in you see that when the Israelites got established in the land and they started to build the temple, they were building on Mount Moriah, the, the place, the area where the Lord himself would provide. Why did they choose that place? We're seeing it laid, played out here. He said, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering, that son whom you love, as a burnt offering on one of the mountain on which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they both went of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, my, uh, my father. And he said, here I am, son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but uh, where's the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God 
seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. What's he talking about there? It takes some lordship there to do that, right? It takes some trust in the God who's actually Adonai in charge and actually able to provide in the midst of our obedience to him. I know you'll obey me now. I know that you fear God, seeing you've not held, withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. The Lord, in the midst of my obedience, will provide. What is that there? Jehovah Jireh. The Lord, Yahweh, will provide. Now, that word in the Hebrew was a word that was used in a commonplace setting to mean to see, Jireh, okay? That you could see something or you could foresee something. Many times if you read the Old Testament, you read about multiple prophets, even like the prophet Samuel who came to anoint King David to be ruler over Israel, and he was known as a seer, one who could foresee that which God was going to do. And in the midst of that, we see that they were called gyres, okay? They were called those who saw, but not only saw, but foresaw what needed to be provided for for God to accomplish his will. God knows the end from the beginning, so when he makes commands, he doesn't do it without his wisdom. He doesn't do it without his foresight. He says, not only am I going to call you to something, but I'm going to give you all the gifts, all the talents, all the provision that you need to accomplish that which I foresee you're going to need. So all of a sudden, when he's relating to him as Adonai, he's saying, go out and obey me, Abraham, but know this that I'm Jehovah Jireh. I'm the Lord who not only provides, but will provide. I'm the one who sees and knows. This is why Jesus, even when he's talking about prayer to the people of God, he says, hey, listen, when you pray, don't be like the pagans going on babbling as if God doesn't know what you need, right? Why? Because your heavenly Father knows what you need when? Before you even ask him before you even ask him. So the God who's ordering your steps in obedience to him says, I'm telling you to do this, but I'm also telling you, for instance, if you've been waiting for a relationship and you've found it hard to live pure, he's saying, listen, I know what you need and I will provide for you. If you're stepping out to start a business venture by God's command and you're saying, I don't know how it's going to get done, but you step out of obedience anyway, he says, listen, step out and do it. I know what you need. I will provide. I'm the God who provides. And most importantly, he says, I'm the one who provides the sacrifice that you need to walk in obedience to me. On the mountain of the Lord, every place that I call you to go, it's going to be a Moriah. A Mount Moriah. Every place that I call you to go, it's going to take sacrifice. But every place that I call you to go, that sacrifice which I require of you, I'm going to provide for. You see that? A lot of times we think we're not going to have what we need to even offer the sacrifice that God has for us to make. And he's saying, not only am I calling you to obey me, I'm going to provide the sacrifice you need to make to me. And on the mountain of the Lord, he provides. On the mountain of obedience, he provides. 
And what we see is Abraham said the Lord not only did provide in that moment, but he's the one who will provide, right? He's talking future tense. And so you see that the Spirit of God within Abraham is looking forward not just to that which was a substitute sacrifice for his son, but he's also looking forward to the ultimate sacrifice that would be provided for our sin. He's saying the Lord will provide. He has provided and he will provide. How many people like myself have ever been in dire straits and actually you felt the intensity and the strain of the moment? But on the tail end, you were like, like that song we were singing today, hallelujah, he has won the victory, right? Because the soil, like, and you came out with some intensity, just like, you know, the, your windows were turned up, but the people looking in your car were like, they were like, they're crazy, because you were like, hallelujah, right? You were like, hallelujah. Anybody ever do that before in your car? Like, start shouting, pumping your arms, you know? And then people look next to you, and then you, like, just look forward and drive. <laughs> it's like, because it's like God has come through. He is provided in the midst of our obedience to him. But then here, here's the thing. It gives you greater confidence the next time you're in a similar situation that God's going to provide again. So what happens is, is that if God provided that time for Abraham in the moment, because he's the faithful God who makes covenant with his people, he said, in the same way that I provided on this mountain, anything that I called you to, as you're serving me as Adonai, I'll also be your Jehovah Jireh. I'm going to provide for you as you choose to, by faith, step out and obey me. Remember, it said that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. But what he ultimately provided was a lamb, a sacrifice, a ram in the thicket. And whenever Jesus showed up on the scene, he said, your greatest need beyond your relationships, your greatest need beyond your finances, your greatest need beyond your career success, your greatest need is reconciliation with God. Your greatest need is that depravity in your soul that needs to be atoned for, that needs to be cleansed. You need something that can bridge the gap between you and a holy God. Jehovah was known as holy and righteous. And he said that there's got to be a lamb that's provided. And in the same way that Abraham was taken up to Mount Moriah, the place that God Almighty would provide, Jesus shows up on the scene and beginning his ministry, his cousin by natural birth, John the Baptist, is on the scene baptizing people for repentance in the Jordan. And then he sees Jesus after years of obscurity starting to walk. That's right, starting to strut. He was a carpenter, so I'm sure he was cut a little bit. All right, and he starts to strut. And then he says, he points at him and he says, look, look, everybody look. I've been ministering to you all this time, but look, points at his cousin Jesus, the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Abraham said that God will provide. Now look, he's provided the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. And everything was pointing to him. 
Remember a couple of weeks ago, I'm trying to bring all of these texts that you're continually reading and glazing over together so you can understand what they were understanding when they were hearing this. Remember in John 8, we talked about the freedom that God provides whenever we choose to obey him. Freedom from sin, freedom from insecurity, freedom from death, right? Just freedom. And it said, remember last week we, when we were talking about him being Yahweh, Jehovah, the one who's always existed, they wanted to stone Jesus because he says, before Abraham was, anybody remember what he said? He said, I am, referring to Yahweh as he had referred to himself whenever God was telling Moses to go deliver the Israelites out of Egypt. But that wasn't the end of the discussion. In the midst of that whole thing, Jesus begins to talk, continues rather to talk, and then said to the people, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He rejoiced to see my day. What in the world was he talking? What, what, is Jesus self-delusional? No. He understood what Abraham saw on Mount Moriah all those years ago. He said, Abraham rejoiced to see the day that God would provide the lamb. And so just as he was on the mountain and God required the sacrifice of the promised son, this is how we know that God will never require anything of us that he doesn't understand himself. Have you ever been in a situation before where your boss or coworker required something of you and you were like, listen, listen, <laughs> yeah, it's easy for them to want to require these things of me, but they're not willing to lift a finger to do anything about it themselves. Anybody ever feel that way in maybe when you were growing up at home? Okay, <laughs> having to do certain chores, <laughs> okay? But let me tell you something, God's not like that. God says, whatever I command you to do, I understand what it's going to take to do it. All of the emotional intensity, all of the angst, all the sacrifice that goes into it. How does he know? Because in the midst of him saying to Abraham, offer up your son on that altar. The God who foresaw what he himself was going to do to make provision for humanity's sin. He already knew, I'm not asking of you something that I'm not willing to do myself. I'm showing you that I'm willing for the love of the world to give provision by my own son. The lamb that's necessary to bridge humanity's gap with the holy God. And so when we're relating to God, we can trust him as Adonai, we can trust him as Jehovah Jireh, not just because he'll provide for us, but also he understands that which he's requiring of us. He understands. And then says, I'm the one who's going to provide. Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it from afar. The Lord will provide, and then he did. He provided his own son, Jesus, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, who lived without sin, died on that cross sacrificially. He went to the altar, and the axe actually did come down. He was crucified, 
but because he was innocent, three days later rose from the dead that we might have forgiveness of sins and eternal life to boot as we put our trust in him. And here's the end of the gospel, that that's not the end of the story. That he says, not only am I raised from the dead, I'm coming again. I'm coming again for those who are waiting for me. I'm coming again to be the provider of not just a momentary salvation, but an eternal salvation. To those who are looking forward to my return. See, Jesus ascending into heaven wasn't the end of the story. It was only the intermission. And in these last days, what is our life here? What are they representing? It's representing a life speeding his coming. Saying, I'm living holy, set apart to righteous, holy Adonai. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, from in between his initial sacrifice and his inevitable coming. I'm living a holy life. And on the final day, I'm going to be with the host of heaven in Revelation. Chapter 5, last verse, and we're done. Looking to God and saying, God Almighty, Adonai, Lord of heaven and earth, ruler and judge over it all, I celebrate you because in the midst of A and Z, you were faithful. As you were faithful to Abraham, you were faithful to me. Not only did you make promises, but you encouraged me along the way. Not only did you encourage me along the way, but you provided that which you required of me. You provided the very strength I needed to serve you. As such, you never asked of me anything that you yourself cannot relate with or understand. And you did it all for me like the song was singing. And in Revelation 5, verse 5, that's why we see around the host of heaven (coughs) this picture. And it says, and one of the elders said to me, and I didn't know we were going to sing. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to the Spirit of God. He said, weep no more. Behold, imagine this, on the last day, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the king, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered, so that he can open the scroll and the seven seals, and between the throne and the four living creatures, and among the elders, I saw what? I saw a lamb. I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. It has to be another discussion later. We don't have time now. It's like, what is he talking about? Okay, later. Okay. Okay. And he went back. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and, a gold, and golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. It matters when you pray. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, lamb that God himself provided. You were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God, 
and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice. So why we worship, we, we actually sing to God. We open our mouths. We let sound come out of our mouths. That's right. We can be conservative as we want, except in worship. Just encouragement. (laughs) Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive what? Power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Why? Because he's Adonai, the Lord. He's the one who was provided by Jehovah Jireh. He was the one who took our place. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and in all that are in them. You see this Adonai term. It's not just for the people who believe in him. It's for everybody. He's Lord of all. That's why every living creature is giving him praise. At some point they will. It's either now or later. It's either we bend our knee voluntarily or he'll lovingly break it for us. But the knee's going to be bowed. And he says, every creature under heaven and earth is proclaiming the Lamb receives these things, blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, just as we do, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Why? Because he's Adonai, the Lord of all, heaven and earth. (laughs) And as he commands us, he expects us to obey as his servants. It's not a discussion when he commands. He says, I expect this of you, obey me. And as we serve him as servants, he's also the God who provides and takes care of his servants and provides an inheritance for those who've been waiting for him. Amen? All right, let's worship.